0: This is the Cabinet's HR Culture Podcast, hosted by Daniela Young. Join Daniela as she has great conversations with people on the importance of culture and leadership in organizational behavior. You will hear the great, the bad, and the ugly as she talks to a huge variety of guests in different fields. Are you looking for ways to improve your culture? Then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinus H R podcast is brought to you by Cabinet's H R. At Cabinets HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Come to CabinetsHR.com to see how Cabinets HR can take care of your HR, so you can focus on building your company and taking care of your customers. Remember to be great every day.
1: Hi, this is the Cabinets HR Culture Podcast, and I'm your host, Daniela Young. Our guest today is David Endine. David, are you ready to be great today?
2: Yeah, let's do it, Daniela. Super excited.
1: David is an entrepreneur based in Silicon Valley working at the intersection of people and technology. Before building an enterprise software platform that helps companies measure employee engagement levels, he built a psychometric evaluation that helps individuals better communicate their humanistic skills. When not engaged in this work, David can be found training for and racing triathlons, including the world-famous Ironman World Championship in Hawaii. David, can you tell me a little bit about something that you're working on right now that's super exciting to you?
2: Goodness, there's there's always so many things going on in my head, but um, I've been in the enterprise software space for about a year now, um, and, and I've really focused on working with individual companies and Helping individual companies figure out how to improve employee engagement levels and and culture in their workplace. Um, but I, I'm I'm really excited to, to try and branch out from that and capture data from a broader spectrum of people. So transitioning the technology a little bit to move uh, to, to reach more people and uh, identify if we can do some pattern matching to see if things like proximity to public transportation or highways or urban centers versus rural centers, uh, large city centers versus uh, smaller towns, if, if any of that has an effect on on how employees are engaged at work and how, how that affects company culture. Um, so tr- trying to figure out how to how to recreate the process and how to reach that market uh, I think is, is the next step that we're going to.
1: That sounds fascinating. I love the focus on using data to help companies understand like actual things, right? Tactical tips and things that they can do um, yeah. to, to move their culture or move their engagement in a certain way. So David, we hear a lot about software as a service, Sounds to me like you're providing something that is typically a service, right? Which mm-hmm. is more a consulting service as a software. So tell us a little bit more about Culture Analytics, your company, and what that is that you're building.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So so the traditional model for consulting says you bring together a team of so-called experts. They walk into a company and they spend the first few days, few weeks, a few months sometimes just figuring out what the lay of the land is and all that time they're getting billed at the same rate that a, uh, as when they're actually working on providing and implementing solutions. And then they step away from the company. uh, They step away from the project and, and leave it to the company for implementation. And so the idea behind, this is it becomes both a precursor and a follow-up to traditional service. And it says, let's actually figure out what the problem is. And because we're using technology, because we're using data, because we're using software, um, the cost drops dramatically. And so over the matter of, or over the course of two or so months, we can actually figure out what the key, um, key areas where a company has some issues where they need to to focus. We can figure out where those key areas are so that when a traditional consultant, whether it's myself or another individual, or, or even somebody internal to the organization steps in, they can look at the data and they can say, we know where the problem is. And then they can immediately move into solutions. And not only can they move immediately into solutions, but as they begin to implement it, they can track the progress of it because they can continue using the software. They can continue using the service throughout the entire process. And hopefully when what you'll end up seeing is you'll end up seeing the trend going up and you can say, yes, what we're doing works. Or you can say, "Mm, maybe this wasn't such a good idea, or we're starting to see things dip a little bit faster. So let's move in and let's like reiterate, let's tweak. Maybe we didn't quite get it right. And, And you can start to see this trend line go up and up and up and to the right and yeah so so you're right it's it's using software uh to decrease the burden or decrease the time frame that you need like a traditional consulting service
1: that sounds like it would be very useful to a lot of companies <laughs> especially maybe some of your smaller companies mm-hmm. and i love that it's data so it'll be you know potentially a lot more reliable than kind of just The one-off interviews or some of the other um yeah obviously i'm pretty partial to consulting services because that's what i do (laughs) but i definitely could see how this could be an amazing tool right where you kind of have your baseline and you know what you're looking at
2: etc exactly well i think it's a huge value to you as well i mean if you if you are a consultant then there's, there's two ways to provide quality service. One is you're really ingrained in a company for a long period of time, and you're stuck on this one project for a long period of time. But, but now we're gonna step up, uh, step into this, and we're gonna use this before we come in. And so you can kind of bleed your projects together. And so while you're consulting with company A, you're preparing for company B, So that by the time you you actually need to work with uh, company B, you already have everything in need or everything in place. So you can actually begin to expand your practice and you can begin to work with more companies through the duration of a year.
1: Nice. Yeah. I mean, it sounds obviously like something beneficial. And I even think from the, you know, sort of from the consultant perspective, obviously business owners are always looking for, Metrics and data Mm -hmm. and an actual way to show what they're spending money on and how it's worth it, which I think in the world specifically of sort of corporate culture, consulting, leadership, employee engagement, all of those topics, it's been until now, it's been relatively hard to show, right? The hard numbers, the data, um one of the things i wanted to talk to you about is there was a study that harvard business review published Mm -hmm. that it kind of finally actually put a number right so since for years people have been talking about culture in 2014 culture was the word of the year everybody's heard it everyone's a little cross-eyed by it Harvard business review came out and said Mm -hmm. okay we did a 22-year-long study that puts the profit of a strong company culture 756 percent above you know a not good culture or culture which you know then of course the question is becomes okay great now everyone can see the benefit right there's a hard number to it now how do we build the good culture
2: yeah exactly no so so you're right the the profits and the benefits uh not just in terms of profits but in terms of employee retention in terms of the well-being of of the people at your company at work and away from work are are huge and and you're right i love to see these these numbers coming out i've seen everything from 150% on the low end to the, to this harvard study that's that's looking at 750% and it's incredible um so so the question then becomes if we can quantify that it's that it's worth it then what are the aspects of culture that we can uh, manipulate that we can measure and manipulate so that it works in our favor. Um, one, of, I think one of the best, best definitions of culture I've heard is it's nothing more than the entirety of interactions between a group of employees or the whole of an employee base at a company like, Oh, <laughs> cool. So every Every interaction I have is affecting culture. How the how the, how in the world do I change this? How do I make this better? How do I make this work for me? And there's a lot of ways that that you you can transition that, and so uh, you you can box it into different categories of interactions, uh, and you can measure measure drivers of those interactions. So things like how how are we working in meetings? How productive are our meetings for us? Do we follow an agenda? Uh, An agenda is such a simple, practical way of making a meeting more productive, but it has to be created and it has to be followed. And so giving people the task of saying, create this agenda, run this agenda, follow this agenda, and at the end, let's recap this meeting so that people actually know what the heck we just covered over the duration of the last hour is a huge way to improve Uh, simple communications. And if you improve simple communications, you've clarified expectations. And If you've clarified expectations, then people now have this North star that they can follow so that they can move forward on a daily basis and get more work done and getting more work done is literally what results in that 750% increase in profit. Um, It's productivity because you've taken the time to engage with employees and give them what they need so that they can be productive
1: it's also it's great i mean i don't think we need to too much belabor the point of how amazing data is and how it can help you solve problems because we all know that but i think that you know for a long time people that are kind of spearheading culture or culture change or any of that are kind of at Mm -hmm. odds with the the business the bottom line Mm -hmm. right and the the hard part is those people have data to show like when we do this, we make more money. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the, whatever the cultural aspect is, the new process we're going to put in place, the new employee engagement experience, it it seems like the opposite of Mm -hmm. making money. Right. And so, I think with your tool, we're going to see a very interesting, you know, now the culture people are going to be able to have numbers and hard data behind here's why we're doing it. Here's why it matters. Here's how it comes right back to your bottom line.
2: Yeah. No, I hope so. And, and I think, and, and I'd, I'd be curious your, your quick take on it, but how do you think things have shifted from the role of a company as solely churning out profit to the role of, the, of a company as a place where employees and individuals can thrive and have an impact on not just an economy, but on a, uh, on a community? And how, how does that change the focus of a company?
1: I think that's absolutely changing right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, in my opinion, a big part of that is a generational shift. And this is, you know, this is broad generations and how they're different. And, you know, one of the things that seems to be with millennials these days, in part because of technology, but in part Mm -hmm. because of other things, is that we are, first of all, millennials are considered now the most philanthropic generation that the world Mm -hmm. has ever seen. And there's a lot of focus on, yes, one, on building your personal brand, right? As technology has helped with that. Like, you don't need to stay at this company. If it's not for you, you can move. But there's also a big focus on, like, having a meaning to your life. And for the first time, like, huge amounts of people are willing to take jobs for half of the pay Mm -hmm. if it's good culture, but more specifically, if it's something that they're doing where they feel like there's a purpose. Yep. Right? And, you know, David, you and I both know this because we've both served in the military. So David <laughs> yeah. was an officer in the Coast Guard. I was an officer in the Army. And that is not something you do because you want to make money, right? That's something <laughs> you do for a purpose. Yeah. And yeah. I think that it's, it is, it's starting to shift and it's starting to be, you know, we can all think of large companies that are getting a lot of social criticism right now because Mm -hmm. they're clear that they only care about the bottom line. And on the flip side, companies that say, you know, Zappos is of course a great example. Mm -hmm. Like we want this to be a a great place to work Southwest who said our employees are number one, not our customers. Employees are number one. We're going to make this a, a great place built one of the most profitable airlines in history. And so yeah. there are, I think, some very strong examples to what you're saying. And I, for one, am hoping that the shift just continues.
2: Yeah. No, I, I I completely agree with you. And I think it's really interesting that you bring up our military background as as this type of environment where you seek to serve with purpose. And I, I think, um, interestingly enough, even, even in an environment like that, if you get the Culture wrong, and if you don't focus on your people, even if you have this incredible mission um, that that has these massive amounts of impact, if you still don't think about your people, you lose them. So, so when I when I was working in in the Coast Guard, I was in charge of coordinating search and rescue, and and time and time again over the over the couple of years that I that I did that, I would have conversations with people, and it was baffling how often I heard, I'm just in here today to make a paycheck. And then I'm going to go home and I'm going to come back the next day and I'll be here to make a paycheck until I can move on to a new unit doing new things. I was like, you guys know what we do, right? Like every single week we save an average of, I don't know, five, 10, 10 people's lives. That's, that's pretty big. That's incredible. But what had happened is we'd created this environment in which we were, we were doing nothing more than, than following checklists and boosting our numbers so that we could get a bigger and, and better budget. We could reduce the, the schedule overload. And we'd, we'd done it in a, in a way where uh, certain individuals within the office had no upward mobility uh, those people were missing managers and leaders who were focused on their individual development, and who were who instead were focused on improving uh, personal status. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Um, and it, it results in poor decisions in the long term, um, and and a struggling, struggling office group. And so even in these incredible organizations with these amazing purposes, you still have to look internally as Southwest does putting their employees first. You still have to look internally and you have to take care of your people. If you take care of your people, your people will take care of your customers. If you take care of your customers, your customers will give you money. And your profit, your profit lines will, will soar. If you try to do it in the opposite direction where you focus on numbers, which means after numbers, you have to think about, customers. And then after customers, you can think about people, you lose it. The whole cycle goes downhill.
1: Yeah. You know, to your point, David, there's actually a famous story that right after nine 11 customers were sending like hundred dollar checks to Southwest hmm. because they felt such loyalty and they wanted to make sure Southwest didn't go under Southwest. Yeah. Of course, didn't cash the checks <laughs> but they sent them as kind of this, you know, Hey, we're doing it right. And also, you know, I'm so happy to hear another military officer talk about that it's not just inherent goodness, you know, and sometimes um, maybe I I come off sounding critical, but, you know, the military, there's nothing inherently great about it, right? Mm -hmm. And as, you know, uh, America is so attached to to veterans and to service and to the military, which is awesome, but in fact, you know, we only have to look at, some other countries or even sometimes our own military to see examples of where it's gone really, really wrong. And as leaders in any organization, right, it is so inherent on leaders to have to focus on, you know, what is the purpose? What is the life mission? And Mm -hmm. I believe that in any company you can make what your people do every day to how they directly affect either the actual life or very much the quality of another person's life and bring that to play in every conversation every day. You know, that's a huge part of culture, of course. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Reinforcing the reason behind what you're doing. Every, Every product and every company that exists at some level exists to serve a person, whether it's a technology company that provides automation for services. The reason that started is because it's designed to create a better lifestyle for people. It's designed to give time back to people products. Products are designed to make lives easier for people. So, um, at the end of the day, Every company is every company's product service mission is about people and if you can for your employees remind them that they that they're existing to to serve another person that they're existing to make the life of another person better then just uh, inherently you've built in some small layer of, of impact of service of uh, corporate social responsibility responsibility is is kind of one of the big buzzwords around that um and then you can build on top of that and say we're going to go do community service days and we're going to give a portion of our profits or a portion of our revenues and uh you know we're going to lobby for better environmental practices and 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 so forth but but never forget the heart of your company never forget the heart of its service and its product and its focus and its existence for serving people
1: yeah, no, that's great. And it really comes back to what we were kind of saying earlier that we're seeing this shift that it's not just like your company makes a bunch of money and you do community service on the side. Mm-hmm. It's that your company is actually solving real pain for real people. That's why you're a company in the first place. Yeah. So let's sort of surround ourselves with our that focus and you know, for any of our listeners, Zappos is just a phenomenal kind of mini case study. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they sell shoes. You know, there isn't anything inherent about that that is like, oh, we're saving lives, or that seems like an easy rallying cry for building culture around. Yeah. But you know, Tony Shea and the people at Zappos have done this amazing job, is of course written about in a lot of books.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. yeah, that's that's super e- super amazing. Um, Another thing, David, we were chatting earlier and you mentioned Mm -hmm. something that I really loved about your software, which was it not only helps business leaders to catch problems, but also to celebrate successes. Mm -hmm. So talk about that for us for a little
2: bit. Yeah. So, so a lot of, a lot of services and a lot of data and technologies um, are problem focused. And we say we're here to solve a problem, um, and that's that's a that's a very good thing. Obviously, <laughs> if we can minimize the number of problems we have in the workplace, then we're on an upward trajectory, and that's uh, that's important. But. If you, if you are consistently focused on the negative side of your corporation and consistently displaying this message of improve, 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 get better, get better, get better, uh, then you completely miss these opportunities to celebrate successes and to say, y'all are doing an amazing job here. And it's this recognition piece. It's, it's not the the trophy for every kid, uh, it's, but it's simply giving credit where credit is due. And saying, "Congratulations, you're doing a very good job here." It's it's a it's a level of positive reinforcement, um, and it's this this rare use of data to, to actually say things are going really well. Keep it up. Um, there's this uh, method of um, like uh, review. There's a review process that companies do where they go back and they say, "Okay, what did?" Like, how did this project go? What can we do? Or what, what did we do poorly? What did we do wrong? And one of the things I like to say along those um, is instead of saying, what did we do wrong? Let's look back and say, what did we do well? And then when you start off a conversation by saying, what did we do well? And putting people in a positive mindset, um, you, you then transition to the concept of even better if... And you maintain this level of positive language, but it's done from this much higher level of playing field because people inherently want to believe that, that they're, they want to feel good inside. And so if you can like leave the, if you can start here instead of here, then this is a, actually a much better space to think about, wow, I'm excited. We're awesome. And we're going places what can we do to get up here? How can we get even better? And so it's that celebratory piece, it's that celebrating successes that says, you are already amazing and we just want to make you even better. And it's a different it's a different framework.
1: Yeah, and it's so important, you know. I, I think it's such a good reminder for business leaders that, you know, your employees want to make you happy. Like yeah. everybody likes to know that they did a good job. And yeah. maybe once in a while you have a problem employee, but in general, everybody's trying to do the best that they can. And so to just remember, you know, on one level, if you're frustrated, it's usually just because it wasn't done the way you wanted it to be done, but that those people were trying their best. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, what you were saying, uh, you know, we do this in the military, right? Which we call it after action review. And it's literally formatted after every event, every engagement. It's okay. We call it three sustains, three improves, but it's like, what went right and that's how we always start, right? What went right? Literally, yeah. even if it was a crazy mission, we had casualties, everyone's emotional, and we come back to the center and we say, okay, what went right? And then how do we make it better next time? And that is, just like you said, like such an important baseline to establish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, David, this has been such a great conversation. I feel like the time got away with us. So tell us what is the best way to connect with you on social media?
2: Yeah. So I'm, I'm most active, if not only active on LinkedIn. Um, I, I'm not the only David Endine there, but the, I, I believe the link to my profile is in the notes section of, uh, of your podcast and and if you click through that then that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. I'm always open to responding to to messages and collaborations and partnerships and ideas. Um so anything anything you have there reach out and always interested in conversation there.
1: Perfect. So yes, the uh LinkedIn link and any other links will be available on the show notes. For this episode and those show notes are found at www.cavnesshrblog.com and david what is one last 20 second piece of advice that you have to offer our listeners
2: um, i think i think we'll we'll build off the the idea of celebrating successes and i take that into a personal framework and reflect and say what am i doing really well we have a tendency to start all our days with what do i have to get done today and so i think i'd challenge you in a a personal framework to do something similar at the end of the day and reflect back and say what did i get done today and and that that little almost meditative piece of saying i accomplished something will rejuvenate you going into your evening when you go home or spend time with with friends and family Um, but it also give you a tad bit of motivation to come in the next day and and continue building on the successes of of whatever you've already accomplished so so reflect and reflect and recognize your own accomplishments
1: that is wonderful advice i am going to do that tonight So thank you so much, David. And thank you listeners. And remember to be great every day. Till
0: next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cabinets HR podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Cabinets HR. Also, check out our weekly live streams at the Kabnis HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasonkabnis at kabnishr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day.